Hey, welcome to Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. It may seem like today's episode was ripped right from the headlines, but it wasn't. We're going back to 1978 in Waverly, Tennessee for a conversation with the author of A Walk Through Fire, a book about the train disaster that changed America. This is Trains Live. had turned upside down. It seemed as if the entire rail bed had been hurled into the sky. In one giant whirlwind of rocks the size of golf balls. Folks, it's, it's a comment that you could hear today, considering some of the, the railroad accidents that we've seen lately here in our country. But we're actually going back to 1978. We're going to Waverly, Tennessee, and we are taking a walk through fire. This is a brand new book that is out by Dr. Yesman Ali, and it is all about that Waverly, Tennessee derailment and disaster and what happened and how it has changed disaster response and railroading in many ways here in this country. But it's also a story about people and how the people of Waverly responded and what happened in those days before the explosion and in the minutes and the hours and the days afterward. And with us today, I have Dr. Ali as our guest, the author of that book. Welcome, and I'm so glad that, that we're gonna be able to spend some time together talking about this today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. It's a pleasure. Okay, so the, the, first, the first thing that, that I, I, we got to talk about is you are a physician, um, in fact, a cardiologist. Um, this is not the first book that you have written. You are a, a highly regarded author as far as medical subjects are concerned, but we're writing a railroad book here. All right, and gotta gotta kind of talk the the male female aspect as well. I mean, let's face it, rail enthusiast. It's a it's a very male hobby, and we not only have a physician, but we have a lady. So I guess to start with, why did you choose to write this book and kind of talk about some of the things that you encountered at a personal level telling this story? Yeah, you know, Bob, you make a really interesting point because cardiology, my profession, is also a very male-dominated profession. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no stranger to this sort of world. Um, but why write the book? Uh, you, do, you make me think of uh, the Star Trek quote from Bones McCoy. You know, I'm a 
doctor, not a tra- not a train engineer, not a railroad expert. Okay. But but Waverly is my hometown, and my physician, uh, my parents were the physicians on call for the local community hospital, Nautilus Memorial, when this disaster happened. I had just turned two years old, so I don't remember it myself, but I grew up hearing the stories. Uh, And everybody in Waverly, it's a small town, just over 4,000 people, everybody in Waverly knows that there was a terrible train disaster uh, and that the fire chief was killed, the police chief was killed, so, you know, lives were lost, people were injured. But the whole history of the disaster was not something that I learned about growing up. It wasn't taught in the schools. It had never been set down in a formal wow. way. And, okay. and so there was that aspect of it. But I, you know, even with that, again, I had never thought of writing a book about it until 12 years ago. And I did start working on this book 12 years ago. Uh, I was visiting Waverly from Nashville, and I was visiting my parents' clinic. And um, in the hallway, there was a man by the name of, uh, he goes by the nickname of Toad, Toad Smith. And everyone will meet him in the book. Um, And he just came over to chat with me, and um, we were talking in the hallway, and my father came out of one of the exam rooms, saw us talking, and called out to Mr. Smith, Toad, show her your hands. Uh, Because at that point, I was already a cardiologist, and um, he started telling me what had happened to his hands, and people will learn about this in the book, and my father chimed in, and they started talking about the disaster, And the stories they were telling me were just incredible, really amazing. And I thought, why have I not read this anywhere? Why why is this the first time, you know, in my 30s that I'm hearing about this? And why don't other people know about this? The whole world should know about this. So I got really (laughs) interested, mainly from the stories that I was being told. And I saw immediately that as a physician, I could tie together the medical parts of it with the history, because I also have a history major from my college degree (laughs) so um, so I I saw I saw that there was a book there and and you know as I got farther into it I realized it really needed to happen yeah and and when you look at the number of uh, train wrecks train disasters that we've had in in this country and you know you you list in some of the materials accompanying the book um, you know some of the big ones that have happened and of course we seem to be in a, a phase where we're paying attention to, to derailments now, but you know, 20 years from now, you're, you're exactly right. We, we've got to learn from that history and to have it recorded somewhere, if not, it's, it's, it's lost. Um, just so folks kind of understand, and, and I guess maybe, okay, spoiler alert and, and follow me along here. Um, yes, there was a train derailment. Uh, there was an explosion of uh, a tank car um, that wiped out a good portion of Waverly. And I, I want folks to kind of step back from that. And especially in our conversation today, this isn't going to be a technical analysis of what happened with that Louisville and Nashville train, but um, this is the, I want folks to to think about the details, um, not only of uh, the people involved, but what you present in the book. And that's something else that I wanted to get into. And you kind of of have led me there. After reading the book, personally, I feel like I've been to Waverly. I feel like I could be a 
citizen of Waverly. Um, I grew up in a, in a little railroad town not too much bigger than Waverly. And, you know, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, man, this, this could have happened in my backyard. But also, as you were just relating the stories, like with, with Toad, and we're going to let folks read the book to meet Toad, but some of the other details that, that you work in there, one, one that kind of got me that was just, I'm sitting here reading going, man, this, the, de the, the depth is incredible. You were describing at, toward the beginning of the book, um, how at the time of the incident, um, the local funeral home also provided ambulance service in town. And there, the description of this combo vehicle that was sometimes hearse, sometimes ambulance, how it functioned, uh, the people that worked in it. And I, I just love the way you have made the reader feel like you're in Waverly and these are people that you're meeting as you walk down the street. Just incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that is certainly music to my ears, Bob, because that's <laughs> what I was trying to accomplish with this book. Um, when I started collecting the stories and started thinking about how to write the book, uh, because it was, it was not easy to get my head around all of this, a lot of sure. information, and how do you write a book like this, and the history has never been written before, so I was literally writing the book, becoming the train historian, and what I realized was two things. I wanted it to read like a nonfiction novel, to use Truman Capote's term. I wanted you to feel sure. like you were immersed in the experience, like you were there with these people as they were going through this horrible tragedy. And I wanted you to feel that way because by the time we get to the explosion, sort of in the middle of the book, I want the reader to care about the people involved. Sure. And in order to, you know, you, you don't know these people, but I want you to know them. I want you to care about what happens to them and what they're feeling and what they're going through. And to do that, I had to write it in a way, as you describe, as if you're immersed in the experience, as if you're in their heads. And using lots of details was one way to do that. And getting into their points of view in different sections was another way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, like I said, you, you feel... Right from the beginning, it's not just the, the details about the people, but the way you describe the scene, the way you describe the town. Um, it's something that I hope folks, and listen, if you are watching or if you have read the excerpts in Trains Magazine that, that we have uh, run previously, you got to get a copy of this book. This is, this is one of those that should be on your, your library shelf. I, I, I mean that most sincerely. Um, but it, it, that, that immersion to bring the reader there um, is, is, just, is just really incredible. Um, talk to me a little bit about, actually talk to me a little bit about some of the, the people in the book. And, and I noticed in the back section in the acknowledgments, um, you interviewed a, a great number of folks um, that, you know, survivors, residents, um, interviews with, uh, with the, the widows of the, the police chief and the fire chief. What was, what was that like? What was it, you know, you were learning firsthand from their stories, but what was it like? What was the impressions you got from, from them reliving this? Uh, decades later. 
Yeah, so that may be the longest acknowledgement section in the history of books. <laughs> because there were so there were so many people who who shared their stories with me and who helped me uh, get the information for this book. And um, so thank you for highlighting them. It was difficult for people to relive those memories because you're talking about and when certainly when I did the interviews for most of these people it was the worst event that had ever happened to them in their entire lives okay so sure, you're talking yeah. about tragedy you're talking about disaster and trauma and it had to be done delicately and with empathy and you know, with sensitivity and um, for for some people, it was the first time they had told their entire story. Wow. And, you know, you real I realized it as they would become quite emotional in the middle of it, sure. just thinking about it. And I mean, they're real, as you said, reliving these terrible memories. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I was really honored um, to have that people would share with me their worst moments like that and that they would relive it for me for this book i mean that was a tremendous privilege to to have that so um you touch upon a really good point there the interviews were quite poignant and i would say that you know as a doctor i in a, an exam room with a patient i i've seen a lot of things i've heard a lot of things and so when i was in the middle of the interviews i was able to call upon that um sort of skill i suppose but when I was then back in my office, trying to put all this together, listening to these interviews again and actually putting it down on paper, that's when I felt it. Like, I really sure. felt the trauma. I mean, there were times <laughs> when I would have tears running down my face yeah. writing parts of this book. Um, and, and actually, when I felt that way, I knew I was getting it right. Good, good. Now, I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you squarely on a fence here. Um, because there's, there is something that I think um, a lot of folks uh, don't necessarily understand or, as you just said, you can't completely get your head around some of this. We, we, have, a, we have a train wreck which, first, first off, is as many of the characters that you introduced, it was the first time they had seen such a huge... Uh, a pile up of train cars, 23 train cars just literally heaped in the middle of Waverly. Um, there was a passage about, uh, you know, your father uh, was driving to the hospital and approached the crossing and it's blocked off and it's like, what is this? This never happened before. So, you know, at first on, on one side of the fence, we have the people of Waverly and we have your parents in this, this unusual situation. And on the other side, we have you as the author, but also um, a physician, someone who is, you know, is trained in, in trauma, uh, who is, you know, cardiologist, who has, uh, you know, seen life and death. Um, and myself, obviously, I trained nowhere as near what you are. Um, you know, having worked in a museum, I've been through some disaster training and having worked with the public. And, yeah, it, you know, it's emotional, but it's, no, it's nowhere as near what I know you have been through. So, you know, in doing this, the fence that, that I want to put you on and, and look at both sides, um, in the book, there is a very human face on this incident. Um, it, you know, the technical details come out, but it still is, it wasn't just a train wreck. It was a train wreck that impacted the lives, the physical being of people. And yet, at the other, the other side of that, there is trauma that's involved. 
So, you know, how do you as an author and a, and a physician, how did you deal with that? I'm, I'm dealing with a, a person. I'm dealing with the patient that's right in front of me, but yet it's a patient and yet there's technical details that need to be addressed. Yes, that was maybe the hardest part of writing this book. You really hit the nail on the head there because the history, the technical details had to be in there. And yet I didn't want to lose sight of these people's stories. And um, I wanted to put the people first. And that's why most of the book is dedicated in a narrative sense to their stories, their feelings, their backgrounds, their thoughts, you know, what they went through. But there is also, there are about three or four chapters of the book that are most technical, the most technical part of the book, I would say. Sure. And I couldn't get away from that. And I, I did really feel that needed to be in there for yes. people like yourself who are trained aficionados, for people who are reading this for historical purposes or who are in emergency management and trying to learn from it. Those details needed to be there. The causes of the the wreck, um, the uh, the way that it led to the creation of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. I mean, so I needed to get a bit of FEMA history in there, too, and, and how we came to the place we are today with disaster response. A lot of that came from Waverly. Uh, and those lessons had been lost to history, as you mentioned at the beginning of this. So, um, so I tried to weave in technical details where it worked in the story. But then there are those chapters that are, I have to admit, a little drier. And so I've told people, if you're in this just for the story, feel <laughs> free to glance through those chapters, but don't miss the epilogue and the coda, because we do go back to Waverly at the end of the book. Sure, and, and you know what? That Yeah, there probably will be some folks that will gloss over that. Look, if, if this is Professor Bob talking here, Read the whole thing. Seriously, read the whole thing. You gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta have, you gotta have all of it. Um, let me, Dr. Ellie, you kind of led me down a path here. I want to, want to circle back to some of those technical things, and I think there was, uh, there was one part of it that really, uh, I mean, other than an explosion that really kind of, kind of drove some of this home. And folks, um, so you understand, uh, the book is out now. Before the book was published. Um, in Trains Magazine, in fact, in the April issue, uh, we excerpted um, part of the book, some, some commentary from the book, um, also some additional material from um, Dr. Ellie. And one of the things that, that is, it's in the book, and we also have it in the issue of Trains Magazine. Um, this is a recreation of the, the National Transportation Safety Board incident map. This was part of the report um, from that map. And what I want, to, want folks to understand is, you know, just in the magnitude of what happened, the buildings that you see in black scattered around the map here, those were actually destroyed completely in the incident. The ones that are in red were severely damaged um, by the fire and the explosion. But if you can see the concentric circles here, here is the epicenter of the explosion. There are pieces of the tank car that exploded that actually went out uh, from that epicenter close to 700 feet. We're talking some huge pieces of metal flying through the air, landing in people's front yards. Um, so the, the technical aspects here 
you know, pretty, pretty incredible stuff. And, and Dr. Ali, I got to imagine when you started looking into that and hearing some of this firsthand, that aspect of it, those technical details, although dry, must have been incredibly amazing. It was amazing. Oh, and I can't tell you how many hours, probably hundreds of hours, I spent poring over maps and NTSB reports and uh, FEMA documents and uh, newspaper clippings from the time, um, trying to put together this narrative. But as you say, the technical details to me were just fascinating. And before this, I hate to tell you, but I really had no interest in trains before this, but now I'm really into it. <laughs> I mean, certainly the bug has bitten me because this was just fascinating, as you say, on the technical side too. Great. Now, um, let's, let's change gears just a little bit. Um, your parents played a central role uh, in the narrative of the book, but that's because they were there. Um, they were... Um, I, guess, I guess long or short of saying it, they were the emergency department there at, at Nautilus Memorial Hospital. Um, you know, I love the description. It's a, it's a two-room emergency department, um, something like 105 uh, staff members in the entire hospital. Um, and your, your parents were on the front line quite literally um, as this happened. Did did you in your lifetime, did you have, have you had a chance or did you have a chance to talk to your parents about what happened there in Waverly? Yes, so I interviewed them for this book, as a matter of fact. And, you know, we had many informal conversations about it as I was writing the book, but we also did formal interviews, just as I did with other people who are featured in the book. And, you know, what's interesting, Bob, is my mother, who was the physician on call that day for the emergency department, which was 160 square feet, the whole emergency department. <laughs> so imagine all of these burn victims coming through 160 square foot emergency department oh and God. half the town with them. So she was the physician on call though and she had never told me her story. She had never talked about it until we sat down for this book because she wanted to forget it because she was, you know, people have different ways of dealing with yes. trauma and she just wanted to move on and not think about it again. And it was something that was very difficult for her. And we worked on, you know, um, unveiling those memories, I guess, uncovering those memories that she had sort of suppressed because it was such a terrible event. Um, now my father, who was the trauma surgeon that she called in, he, you know, was just down at their clinic um, 10 minutes away. Um, he came in and when he got there, he was able to conduct triage and he had mm -hmm. uh, been in the army. And so he had uh, yes. been drafted during Vietnam. So he had mm -hmm. uh, mass casualty training experience and uh, that came in very handy that day. So um, within an hour, he and the rest of the team and they had other doctors come in and help. And, you know, I think something like 95 or 98 of the 105 employees all came into the hospital yes. and responded to this event. And so within an hour, they were able to triage the first 40 patients in that tiny emergency department, get them sent on their way if they needed to go on helicopters or needed to get ambulances. I mean, we had something like 49 surrounding counties send ambulances because it was sure. such a such a, an event. And, uh, and then they operated throughout the night on the people who stayed and needed burn operations. 
You know, and, and I, I apologize. I kind of I kind of gave you a, a wrong question there. You know, did you interview your folks? It's obviously because they're in the book. But, you know, I, I think of, um, you know, I think of my dad. He was in the Air Force in the Korean War. Um, I, I knew I had a couple of good friends that were, that were World War II vets. And, you know, just like you just described here, going back and talking about such a traumatic situation, um, you know, sometimes we just, we wanted to, we want to suppress that and we want it to go away. And, you know, and I'm not telling you anything new as a physician. Sometimes we just got to talk to somebody and, you know, get it out there. Um, yeah. You, you also bring up another point that I wanted to make about the book and about Waverly, really. Um, sadly, there were 16 people that perished in the incident. And most of those, there was, a, there was a two or three that actually um, perished almost instantaneously in the explosion itself. But the rest of the folks um, passed a few days later um, in hospitals around the area. Now, around the area, uh, of those 16, there were, were seven different hospitals, um, some Cincinnati, as far as Birmingham, Alabama, um, Nashville, uh, Memphis, I believe, uh, was, was in one of those. So, you know, this, the community response to this um, was incredible. In fact, the other thing that, that I would hopefully will talk about is in the National Transportation Safety Board report, there was one bright spot, one compliment that was made. And that was Waverly's emergency plan and the way the fire, the police, and the hospital, your parents involved, worked together and handled the situation. Uh, I mean, if you, can, if you can find a bright spot in such a, a huge disaster, there it is. No, that's exactly right. There were a lot of things that went wrong in Waverly that day, uh, and the NTSB report highlights every one of them, but they had one spot of praise, and that was for the town's emergency response and for that hospital and their triage uh, and how they were able to save many more lives uh, than were lost. And, um, and in fact, the NTSB report says that more lives would have been lost had it not been for their triage plan. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I think when I read that in the report, you know, I, hearing all these stories, learning, and as a physician, I knew that to be true. But to have seen it in the official NTSB report was incredible. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's certainly highlighted in the book, too. And I think that speaks to the, um, the importance of our rural hospitals. And that's another chapter I go into in the book. Um, you know, how, how fortunate Waverly was as a community to have this hospital with specialists there sure. on call right away who could mm -hmm. treat patients in a disaster like this. And then you mentioned all of the community response, which was just incredible. You know, everyone from every department possible came together in this time of crisis. Uh, and uh, they all helped out and gave those burned victims the best possible chance. And then, you know, we called Tennessee the volunteer state. And so, as I sure. said, you know, over 40 <laughs> surrounding counties sent their ambulances, sent their fire engines, because mm -hmm. both of Waverly's fire engines were destroyed the moment oh, that sure. tanker exploded. Sent Absolutely. firefighters, worked, wow. they worked throughout the night putting out the fires. So, you know, it was a large <laughs> effort. 
And, and then it's in the book about how um, the president at the time, Jimmy Carter, sent a U.S. Air Force medevac plane to help take the worst uh, uh, burn victims to these other places you mentioned, Cincinnati, Birmingham, around the region to the major burn centers. Mm -hmm. Incredible, incredible. I gotta ask, as a physician, and like you said, you were two years old at the time, um, looking back on this, looking on your 12 years of research, um, what, from a physician's standpoint, what did you take away from this? Um, what, what would happen if you were faced with something like this today? Uh, you know, that is something I have asked myself many times. And you hope that your training kicks in when something like that happens. You, you hope you do what the people in this book did and just go on autopilot and just do what is in front of you. And then you can process it later because in the moment you have to save lives. Um, I can relate to that, uh, not in a mass casualty sense. I thankfully never had to deal with a mass casualty event in person, but I can relate to it from cardiac resuscitation. So as a cardiologist, one of the things sure. I would do is if a patient's heart stops, basically they've died in front of you, you have to do what you can to bring them back. And I've done, done that hundreds of times. And in the moment, it's a terrible thing, terrible thing, but you can't think about that. You can't think of any of those emotions. You just have sure. to follow the protocol. You do this and then you do this and then you do this. And then later on you debrief and you can think about it when, you know, in the quiet of your own, you know, room or with your team um, but uh, and that actually brings up another point at the time there wasn't the concept of debriefing in 1978 sure, yeah. there yeah. weren't <laughs> counselors and psychiatrists to help people process what had happened in a disaster like this you know thankfully we have that today but the people in Waverly didn't have that and so there wasn't anyone to help them process their feelings or what they had been through and uh, so I think that, you know, that's just something to remember you know, you, you, the, the, the depth, the depth in, in all of this, and, you know, I hope folks that after they see our conversation here today, go pick up a copy of the book and read this and bear in mind some of the things that, that you have said here, because the, you know, there was no, yeah, there was no debriefing. There was, you know, there was no FEMA. There was no, half our town is on fire. How do we deal with this? Um, you know, and, and just that idea that, you know, it's not just the physical part of it, um, but that human aspect. And, you know, back in 1978, yeah, we didn't think about that. And you think about well, everything today, like you described, you know, there, uh, I mean, I think even in my disaster training, we had, uh, you know, in our museum, we had a debriefing officer. I'm thinking 1978, you didn't even know who that person, you know, what, what was that? But yet now we have advanced uh, that far. It is, it's incredible. Um, what else? What, what, from your perspective, what, what do you want folks to see in this book? What do you want to, them to take away? What haven't we talked about that people should know before they pick up a walk through fire? You know, I think more than anything, I wanted this book to always be about the people involved. 
And so as we've highlighted, that's what I've tried to do and what I think does come across when you read the book. Um, I think it's really relevant today, as unfortunately we have seen so many derailments and train uh, disasters and hazardous materials incidents just over the past couple of months. And so I think that relevance holds, and I think that when people read the book, they will see what a toll this takes on people personally who are involved in these communities where these derailments happen. So it's so easy in our 24-7 news cycle to sort of move on to the next thing. But the people who are impacted by this, they don't get to move on. Their lives are changed forever. And I think more than anything, that's what I've shown or tried to show with this book. Fantastic. We're talking with Dr. Yasmin Ali. She is the author of a book called A Walk Through Fire. In fact, let's um, take a break from our conversation for just a second. We're going to duck over to Mr. Bob's Railroad work sh- uh, bookshelf. And just two things on the bookshelf today. First off, uh, we had been referencing it here earlier. This is the April 2023 issue of Trains Magazine. And inside... Uh, there is some excerpts from a walk through fire. Uh, some of the photographs that you will see that we have in trains and then have in the book, uh, just incredible. Uh, you, you look at this and it really brings forth what happened uh, in Waverly in 1978. So the April issue of Trains Magazine, and then of course, folks, um, the book itself, A Walk Through Fire, uh, the train disaster that changed America. The book is currently available. Uh, pick it up wherever you find your, your contemporary books. Go to the library and check it out. If the library doesn't have it, tell them to get the book. Um, get a copy of this. Read read the book. This is one of those that, um, okay, you know, rail enthusiasts, we look at train disasters from, uh, you know, what technically happened, what happened with the equipment, so on and so forth. No. Look at this from the perspective as we've talked here today about the people uh, involved. A walk through fire, the train disaster that changed America. Dr. Ali, I know you and I have have emailed back and forth and and talked quite a bit in producing the material for trains. Um, Reading the book was... Reading the book was a very moving experience for me. Um, thank you so much from you know a reader to an author for doing something like this. Uh, I know it was a, a labor, a labor of love, a labor of trauma for you, um, but in the end, good, good material, very good. And so glad to have you along today. Day. Thank you so <laughs> much, Bob. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks again. You are quite welcome. Again, folks, go get a copy of the book. A walk through fire. Listen, that's going to wrap it up for Trains Live today. Hey, KalmbachHobbyStore.com. KalmbachHobbyStore.com. That's where you got to go to get all your hobby material, latest hobby how-to guides. Trains.com. Check it out. New content on there every day. We're always uh, putting up brand new stuff, whether feature material or newswire, the latest on what's happening in the railroad world. Want to see you there, but more so very soon, I really want to see you behind the pages of Trains Magazine. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. 
Trains.com. It's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more. All about trains.